All right, gals and pals, game on. It's time for the Sports Gal Pal Podcast, where we help gals and their pals come together over sports. Don't hate the game, love the game, or at least find out why he loves it so much. Now your host, the Sports Gal Pal herself, Ramona Rice. Well, hey there, Galpaw Nation. Welcome to another episode of the Sports Galpaw Podcast, where I help you understand why the sports fans in your life scream at the TV during a game. I'm your host, Ramona Rice. You can connect with me on Twitter at SportsGalpaw and, of course, on SportsGalpaw.com. And it is my What to Expect This Weekend show. Hooray! With me is Sam, the giant superfan from Next Fan Up, one of my favorites, just because he likes to give me crap about several of my team choices, and we're going to talk about it. Sam, welcome back to the show well i'm glad to be here thanks for having me back all right very good let's get right into it there is a lot of good college football and something you don't really get to talk about too much on next fan up because you guys are totally about the nfl um but i'm gonna start right up thursday night game ucla versus stanford both are four and one that pac-12 seems like it is wide open um I don't know how much you follow college football outside of what's going on in Louisiana. We'll get into that in a minute. Um, But I really like, I'm looking so forward to watching this game. I think it's going to be fantastic, great rivals. Um, And I would like to see UCLA lose just because Virginia got clobbered by them. But Virginia got clobbered by a lot of people. They're going to still get clobbered. So I wasn't sure if you had any thoughts on UCLA versus Stanford. You know what's interesting is being on the East Coast, I haven't really watched much Pac-12 football because it's usually on Saturday nights when I'm not exactly sitting in front of my TV watching sports. But I happen to always catch a Stanford-USC game every year. And whenever I watch them play, they're extremely impressive. And I was just looking at uh, some stats for them, and they're rushing the ball like crazy. They've had two straight games, over 300 yards rushing. UCLA is Defense is not, you know, something you write home about. So it'll be interesting to see if Stanford can play their uh, smash-mouth football style and pull this one out. Although that UCLA quarterback is really good, that freshman. He is really good, but he is really young. And, I mean, granted, again, I, I got to see him because I watched him play again Virginia. And um, he – he looked impressive at that game, and then I was like, well, anybody's going to look impressive with the terrible secondary we have this year. Um, but he's really, really seems really mature for his age, and I don't know if that's just great coaching because they do have a very good coach in Jim Mora, or if it's just him and he's one of those kind of rare, like an Andrew Luck kind of quarterback who, you know, just is born to be a quarterback. I mean, it seems like California um, schools, Pac-12 schools, seem to produce some pretty good quarterbacks, and I'm wondering if we're seeing the next one. Yeah, I mean, the thing with freshman quarterbacks is they seem to have, you know, that ice in their veins and they can come out in these big games and just absolutely deliver kind of oblivious to the pressure. And then you see some of these freshman quarterbacks just crumble and have their uh, five interception games where they lose it for their team to see what his makeup is. And uh, I guess that's interesting for scouts also, although it's pretty early in the draft process for him. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's definitely it's Thursday night game. I, I just say watch it. You know, I know that the NFL's on Thursday nights, which I kind of I'm annoyed that the NFL's on Thursday nights because Thursday night used to be just college football and it was fantastic. And now I've got to I have to juggle so many things. This this time of year for sports is crazy. Like this time of year and then like May, June when you've got like basketball and baseball and hockey and you know, it's all kind of clobbering together. I feel like this is the same kind of thing where we've got like so much going on. Um so 
I'm looking forward to it and I will be tuning in. But um, Stanford's actually a six and a half point favorite over UCLA. So it'll be interesting to see where the line, if it moves anymore, because um, we're recording this Wednesday night, obviously. So it could move there. Um, so next game, you call this kind of the game of the week. It is um, Michigan State versus Michigan. And it is so great to see Michigan um, come back and be a powerhouse once again in the Big Ten. Um, I'd really like to see, I can't wait to see what Harbaugh does when he finally gets his guys in there and he starts recruiting and seeing, you know, can this be a national powerhouse again? I personally, Sam, do not like Michigan State. I used to not mind them, um, but I take my hatred of their basketball team and put it towards everything in East Lansing. So I do not like any of them ever. Um, so I'm really hoping a big blue takes care of business. Um, but this is going to be an outstanding game. You don't want to miss this game at all. Um, this is in-state rivalry, so it's already pressure, um, you know, and again, Michigan is looking really, really good, but they're both um, pretty even in certain things, but I think um, I think Michigan's going to pull this one out. Yeah, I mean, you heard when Jim Harbaugh left the NFL that a lot of his critics were saying he's a college coach because he gets intense and he seems to get the best out of his players for what seems to be like two or three years, and then they kind of get sick of him. And that's perfect in college because that's what happens. These kids graduate, they go to the NFL, and he gets a new crop in and he can do his rah, rah, rah intensity thing. So it's interesting to see how quickly it took. That defense is scary on Michigan. Three straight shutouts. It's it's it'd be fun to see what they can do to Connor Cook on Michigan State. He seems like you know one of the top quarterbacks coming out of the college football this year. Yeah, and it just shows again how important coaching really is. Like you know, I think I think it's more important on a co- collegiate level to have outstanding coaches than necessarily on the NFL level because you can get a guy like. A, like a Peyton Manning, for example. Now, this year, maybe not the best year, but did he, he didn't really need an offensive coordinator the last couple of years. He, he was the offensive coordinator. He called them, um, you know, and, and you know he was. But with college, I think it's so important for these guys to have a really strong game plan. And again, um, you know, you see um, there's a litany of coaches right now where teams just have bad coaching. And then you've got, on the other hand, I feel like in college, it's very top heavy of great coaches. And I think Jim Harbaugh, he is designed for college. I think there are some guys that are just great at, at pro and it's two very different worlds. And I don't think people think about that because with college, you know, that coach does have a lot more say in who, um, what they do, how they do it, where they do it, and why they do it. Whereas the NFL, you're dealing with grown-ups. And I think some people just can't handle that. Yeah, it's just, you know, these college coaches, the intensity they bring won't really translate in an NFL locker room because there it's more, you know, professionals doing their job and they got to do this year after year. In college, these guys just, I think it's also more than just the strategic element of coaching. It's the play, it's the person-to-person relationship these coaches can develop. And that's why I think you see a lot of these coaches switching schools and still being able to, you know, consistently pump out good teams. It's, it's more, these kids are so erratic that if you can build their confidence and you know, instill that confidence in them. It makes a much bigger difference more than just the strategic element of the game. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm looking forward to that. Do you have a favorite for this game? I think Michigan wins. Um, I don't know. I think it's just my belief in Harbaugh. I really think that, that he's just, his first couple of years, he pulls out miracles. So that, that's what I he have to does. go with in this game. Yeah, yeah, he does. He did that in San Francisco. He did that in San Francisco. Yeah. You know, and you see what I mean, kind of dumpster fire that is right now. 
Yeah, oh my gosh, this I feel so sorry for Charlie, the um super fan of you guys for the 49ers because he's such a great guy. <laughs> he deserves a much better yeah. team than what he's getting. All right, let let's all right. I'm just gonna be quiet and let you talk about um your your boy, Lena Fournette. Um, because I gotta give a background story. So this is why Sam is one of the best super fans, at least for me. Um, you know, granted, I ignore the fact that he is a Giants fan most of the time, um, just because I, I like him generally as a person and I can overlook his flaws. And um, he, he tweets me, I forget, was it several weeks ago? Maybe early in the season. He goes, Ramona, I need an outlet to talk about this kid at LSU. And I'm like, go, Sam, go. And like ever since, it's been like a litany of love for Leonard Fournette. So go, Sam, go. Talk about him. Go. It all started in the bowl game when I've heard about this kid Leonard Fournette. I knew he. I just saw him take a kickoff, 107 yards against Notre Dame, untouched into the end zone, and it didn't dawn on me that he was six one, two hundred thirty pounds at the time. But looking back, to have a man like that returning kicks and having the speed to just break away from everybody to go untouched, it was incredible. And then LSU seemed to limit his carries last year. I guess that's why he wasn't so, you know, famous as he is now because he had to be there for three years. And a guy like him, it takes one wrong hit in the hole to, you know, put him out for a year. So I think they're trying to limit his carries. But this year, I think they said, screw it, let, let him go. And he's been feasting. It's it's scary to watch him run. He runs like Adrian Peterson. He hits the hole, and three seconds later, he's 40, 40 yards downfield, and you don't understand how he did it. And he's just bigger, stronger than all these kids. And, and in the NFL right now, it's hard to find that running back. There are very few running backs that make a very big difference in the game. We saw this Monday night with Le'Veon Bell, guys who one way or another gain those yards and make those big plays consistently. And if you can find somebody like that, I think that that makes a big difference. And I know LSU is saying that they haven't really rolled out their passing attack to him. And if they can get him on the outside, I don't see cornerbacks bringing this, this guy down. I mean – there's not enough you can say about him to really understand. You just have to watch. You have to watch cornerbacks jump at him and try to grab him around the shoulders and him shrug him off and then perform a nimble juke to take it to the house. So that being said, I, I, I don't think I could say it any clearer. It's it's all reset for Fournette. I think he's in for a Adrian Peterson-like boost. Um, there's no reason he's going to succeed unless it's, it's injuries now. And, and it's scary to think he has another year. And what's scary to think is you're dealing with college kids and, you know, we're all college kids at one point and we don't always make the best decisions. I just would hate to see, you know, some teams that have a kid take a cheap shot at him or, or, you know, try to hit him at the knees in spite and and really just ruin his career. So and hope that he can uh, stay healthy and make a difference one day. Yeah, I worry about him a lot just because, again, how mobile he is. He literally, like, just to give perspective to those in Galpal Nation who have not seen this guy, this guy is, is, he is ridiculously good. He literally jumped over an entire man, like an entire player. Like, like, like it was nothing. Like, he just goes hop and he just jumps. I'm like, my God. It just, just ridiculous. Um, Sam really wants the hashtag. He's been using the hashtag reset for Fournette. Um, really for his giants, which I'm not sure why, um, because we've had this discussion. I'm going, okay, so this year, you guys, you know, watch it. They'll be like, you know, nine and whatever it is and win the Super Bowl again. That would be awful. Yeah. Shout out to Pod. I, every time I talk to Pod now, I say, listen, you got to know that your Patriots are the best team in the league, which only means that the Giants are winning the Super Bowl. Oh, that just he does not, he does not like levels. that. No, I don't like it um, either. Also, 
quick I'm quick sure Leonard Fournette quick Leonard Fournette uh, fun fact. He has a brother named Leonard. Who knew? Who uh, is Leonard also a football player? I don't know. He is on the LSU website. He is also a running back. He is a freshman in high school, though. Oh my gosh! There's so, two of them. He's only he's only five ten, one eighty seven. So maybe he's the uh, Darren Sproles of the Fournette family. We'll see what happens. Well, guys mature, you know, slower than girls. So he may hit his growth spurt, you know, later. I think you know, yeah. but five eleven—that's I mean, actually a normal size for a running back. He's a freshman at five ten, one eighty seven in high school. Uh, I, I take that back. He's 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 a big boy. That, that's a big kid, and he's probably going to still grow. Like his parents, their parents must go through a ton of cereal. That's that's all I think of. Because again, I have a a brand new nine year old as he turned nine yesterday. Yay! Happy birthday, AJ, to my kid. And um, he's ridiculously tall already. But my husband's six seven, so and my dad's six three. So the kid is just going to be ridiculously tall. Um, too bad he has no hand eye coordination. I feel bad, but oh well. Um, they play LSU. By the way, plays Florida. Florida is going through its own drama. Um, I personally love the drama of, of, of football, <laughs> of any sport, really, because their quarterback decided to take PEDs. And there's this whole thing where he's like, I didn't know what it was. I'm like, dude, you knew what it was. Come on. You don't just take something in your body and not read about it. I mean, maybe maybe I'm older and I read the stuff I put in my body, but I'm going, they have entire seminars about this. I, I just, again, especially at the college level, these kids are so watched that I'm going, no, he knew what he was doing. Yeah, I think what he really means to say is I didn't know this would be caught because there's no way a college quarterback is putting something in his body, especially in this day and age. So I think this may have been one of those substances where they say it'll pass drug tests and it did it. And now he's paying the price. Yep. And so is um, Florida. So it's going to be interesting because Florida is, you know, coming off of, they, they looked really, really strong after, you know, getting a new coach. And again, it looked like the swamp was kind of reemerging. And now I, I'm just going to be really interested. They do have a really good backup quarterback. So that's, that's the one good thing about these kind of bigger schools that they typically do have, you know, look at like Notre Dame, for example, they played Virginia. Virginia took out their um, starting quarterback, and they're pretty much doing fine with the exception of going against Clemson. So, you know, with these bigger schools, they do have talent in the background. It's the smaller schools that that typically suffer more, um, unless you have, like, a really rare talent like Georgia. And I, I was thinking about that as you were talking about Fournette. Um, again, as you want to have the Giants reset for Fournette, um, we're going to make that trending well, for on Twitter. Chubb. Yeah, poor Chubb. Poor Chubb. Yeah. My God, did you see that? Did you see the injury? Yeah. Oh my! It reminded me of you remember um, a couple years ago at the NCAA Final Four and Kevin Ware for Ware. Louisville yep. and the awful. Oh my gosh! It was just like that. Like I cried for both times because I just feel bad for these guys. I mean, he basically ripped off his knee for people who don't know, and and that I can't even imagine. Like I can't even imagine the pain that is. Just ouch. Yeah. Like they, and he's he basically not, passed out. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 sad to see, but and he was good. He was he was fun to watch. Run. He was, and so. he might have won a Heisman, and now we're not sure if he's ever going to play again. It's really sad. So hopefully, Fournette has a really good insurance policy. That's all I got to say, kids. Listen, yeah. listen to the advice. <laughs> I know. So anyway, all right, let's move on from college. Oh, because Gal Foundation will ask me. Yes, Virginia is playing Syracuse. Syracuse is coming to Charlottesville. I do have season tickets. I am not going. Number one is going to be freaking 
cold on Saturday, apparently, in Charlottesville, according to the weather reports. Secondly, I have a ton to do because just I'm a mom and I'm busy. And my one of my best friends, who is also my spin instructor, and she tortures me like early in the morning, is having paintball party the next day. So I would rather play paintball than watch the atrocious the awful that is Virginia football live right now. Um, so yes, so I will not be going to Charlottesville. I don't know if that makes me a bad fan or not, Sam, but I'm just like kind of over the whole Mike London experience and ready for him to go and start over again. I don't know yeah, what that I makes mean, me. There's nothing worse than watching a cold football game in a stadium for, with a bad team. So yeah, and two bad teams. Syracuse isn't exactly one to like, yay, let's watch Syracuse. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, uh, I, I totally no. understand. So I'm staying home and, and doing other fun things. So I'll be home warm. All right, let's go to the NFL. Panthers versus Seahawks. I picked this game, honestly, because I want to see what the Panthers, if they're going to remain undefeated. Because, again, I feel like our two divisions, so the NFC South was terrible last year. The NFC East was pretty good, and now it's flip flopped. Where <laughs> the NFC East were like, "What the world's going on?" Um, and then the NFC South, where half the division is just terrible, but the other two teams are looking really good. So I'm kind of curious to see if the Seahawks defense can stop Cam Newton. And it's a surprise because Cam Newton's number one offensive weapon was injured really early in preseason, but they are surprisingly very good. Again, I just think it shows the athleticism of Cam. I think it shows that they do have a good coach and that maybe their schedule's been weak. I don't know. I'm looking forward to it um, because it feels like the Seahawks without their, you know, offensive weapon of Marshawn Lynch. I miss him very much, by the way, for fantasy. I'm a really selfish person, Sam. That's the only reason I care that he's not in the game because I'm not getting fantasy points. But their O-line, Seahawks O-line looks terrible. And why aren't they utilizing Jimmy Graham more? I don't understand it. There's there's a lot of questions on the Seahawks team. Not only is their O-line bad, but they traded a starting offensive lineman in Max Unger for Jimmy Graham, and they're not even using Jimmy Graham. So it, that Seahawks team is very, very weird. I don't think people talk about it enough. You had that whole Percy Harvin fight. Now you have Jimmy Graham not being utilized. You have that Cam Chancellor holdout and the players on the team seemingly supporting him. It's it's a weird dynamic in, in Seattle, and I, I think one day in the near future we're going to get some sort of you know massive article really detailing how weird the situation is. I just think that they've been so good. We've kind of forgot or like, you know, kind of brushed that off to the side. But when you, when you really look at it, it's, it's weird. I guess that's the only way I can put it. Uh, yeah. It's, and also, you know what, you know what it is with the Seahawks? It's, they had this incredible defense and they kept losing marginal players on the outside. And everybody kept saying, you know what, it's okay. They have Richard Sherman, they have Earl Thomas, they have Cam Chancellor, they have Michael Bennett. But over time, it's it's you need 11 players on a defense. And if your ninth, 10th, and 11th players are weak, it doesn't matter how strong your first eight are because you're just going to get burned in the NFL. And I think we're finally seeing that catch up with the Seahawks also. I think so too. And I think also too that defense, you know, again, I still – feel like because they play so hard they're injured they're injury prone and again cam chancellor is not as seasoned as he should be and what are we week six week seven something like that in the nfl at this point i've lost count and well, you know because he missed because he's missed like how many he missed basically a month plus preseason yeah. so he's having to play catch up and he's a freak athlete of awesome i mean he is he's phenomenal um but at the same time you need those reps and i you know, and again, having Marshawn Lynch 
not in that lineup, you, you just see all the weaknesses. I feel like, honestly, Russell Wilson, I'm going to get killed by my friend Bonnie because she's a huge Seahawks fan. <laughs> she's also, again, my spin instructor, and we're playing paintball with her this weekend. So she's going to shoot me, and then at spin, she's going to make me do extra gear. I just know it. Um, but saying this, but I, I just think Russell Wilson, as much as I like the guy and I really want him to succeed, I feel like that defense made up for a lot of his kind of just underwhelmingness. I just feel like his size, I feel like the fact they don't have an O-line that works for him. Um, again, they're not pretty schemes that seem to work and they need to figure out something now because I don't know if Marshawn's even going to be playing this weekend again. So you're not going to have him. You can't run the ball. You got to throw and can Russell get it to Jimmy Graham? Can he get it to any of the wide receivers? I don't know. I, I just, I have a lot of questions with that team, to be really honest. And it's a shame you guys don't have a super fan for that team right now, because I'd really like to ask him some questions or, or her, because I'm sure you guys would be willing to have a girl super fan. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I mean, we have an honorary girls Eagle super fan. So that's true. That's me. Yay. <laughs> I'm way well, better than Cal- Sicko. That's not true. It's just, <laughs> it goes such a homer, by the way, for I the record. I love him, Sicko. though. I no, no. No, no, we, oh, well, you need that. Like, I'm, we, the two of us were like yin and yang. So he's really super positive and drinks the green Kool-Aid and gets you pumped up. And I, and I listen to him and I'm like, yeah, we're awesome. And then I see reality. I'm like, no, he lied to me. Um, You know, he's sunshine and rainbows. And I think I'm realistic. So if we're a good pairing of each other, I don't know if he really likes me that much, to be honest, because I'm kind of mean to him like you guys are going, no, I don't really trust you anymore, Mark. Not so much because he, he, you're yeah. right. He is very much a homer. He's, he is, he's very passionate about the team. Very passionate. Yeah. And, you know, passion's a good thing. So all more, more power to him. All right. What were you going to say about the Panthers? We got on a tangent there. Uh, their their schedule so far has been a smorgasbord of crap. I mean, they played the Buccaneers, the Saints, the Texans, and the Jaguars. I think those are probably the four worst teams in football, with along with the Bears, who have been playing better. But I don't think we really know anything about the Panthers. I think coming up, the Seahawks, Eagles, Colts, Packers stretch is going to tell us more about them than the first four games did. I think so, too. And I also think, again, it's going to be really curious when they finally face Atlanta. I think Atlanta, um, you know, as Pod Vader says, his boyfriends of the NFC. And uh, so far, they're delivering, you know, they're putting out what they need to put out to keep the Pod Vader and, and Tim, the super fan, very happy. So um, more power to yeah. them. Um, well, whatever. He needs the Falcons to be good. He, 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 has, he needs that in his life right now. So That's true. He does. Poor Tim. Tim will be okay. Tim, Tim, Tim. Yeah. All right. Let's go. This is probably the one game in the in, a, in the next fan up universe that Pod Vader, he, he has circled it. He mentions it literally in every podcast he's on. It doesn't matter. It is Patriots versus Colts week. This is the week that Tom Brady was supposed to come back for Sunday night football because the NFL is the best marketers ever. And that was Roger Goodell's plan. He's like, okay, I'm going to suspend him for four games. And his first game back is going to be Sunday night football. And he's going to face the people that, that caused the whole thing. Me personally, now the Patriots are going to probably roll all over the Colts. I'm really hoping like a Mighty Duck style win for the Colts just to shot up Patriot fans. I'm so sick of them. I am sorry that your quarterback was caught with undeflated balls. I get it. It's a it's a nonsense thing. I feel like your um, super fan Patrick was actually very reasonable when he and I spoke about it. He made some excellent points. I agree that Roger Goodell was a little overzealous in his punishment. It should have just been a fine and been done. However, 
get over it already. All right. Move on, Patriots. It wasn't really that bad. It wasn't like, you know, the worst thing you will ever go through. The worst thing's going to be when Belichick and Tom Brady are no longer part of your team. That's going to be the worst thing because then you're going to be reminded what the 1980s were like because you're not going to find another Belichick and Brady. So I'm preparing you, Patriots, for when that happens. But I'm sick and tired of you saying we were we're oppressed. You cannot be oppressed when you've won how many Super Bowls in a decade or so. That's not oppression. All of us. If anything, I should still be mad because you stole a Super Bowl from my team. So can you tell I'm over it? So dear Andrew Luck, figure out what's wrong with your team and and fix it and just beat them. Shut them down and beat them. It won't happen. But it'd be awesome to see. I've now made Podbader super angry at me. So, all right, Sam, anything you have to say about that? Because seriously, I'm just, I'm over them. I'm over it. Uh, I agree, but I, I still think the Patriots just, uh, it's, oh, it's, it's going to be ugly. It's going to be ugly. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. The Colts, what, how, just, I mean, disappointed and like I I am disappointed as a Eagles fan we'll get to that in a second but the Colts fans I would be incredibly disappointed given the fact that you have arguably one of the best quarterbacks in the league right now Andrew Luck is very very good what's I, I just don't understand what's going on I don't know if it's because Jim Ursay is is a crazy owner or they've got a GM coach issue I, I don't know what's up with that franchise but it's just, it's sad. I think it's a talent issue. I bet that defense has nobody a, a fan would recognize. Like, unless you're a fan of the Colts, I mean, fine, Robert Mathis and Vontae Davis are two good players, but who else is on that team that, that really can deliver? And Andrew Luck, always at that point, has always been that defense that's been a, been a, uh, but a that turnstile. was the problem when Peyton. But that was a problem when Peyton was there, too. Let's be honest with you. The only Colt that I remember being there was Antoine Bethay. And that's because he's from my hometown, and he used to get massages at my mom's day spa. So that's the only well, reason had, I knew. They you had know. Dwight Freeney and, and Bob Sanders for a little bit. And Dwight Freeney was excellent. Bob Sanders was excellent. But it was never a team. It was always a couple of players. And, you know, it, Good coaches in the playoffs will scheme against your good players and attack your weaknesses, and that's always been the Colts' weakness. I guess yeah, every I team's weaknesses are their weakness, but specifically the it, Colts. It's, it's true. I just feel like that that is a very offensive-minded team, but there's only so – I mean, again, maybe it's because I typically cheer for, for more defensive teams. Um, it's just in my nature. I just feel like, you know, looking at them, that's – I would just invest a lot more in their defense. I, I just, it's just frustrating to me. I can only imagine it's frustrating for Jared and the rest of Colts fans, but I'm just like, I just, you know, but how badly do you think the Patriots are going to beat the Colts? <laughs> I mean, how bad is the slaughter going to be? Uh, and how? 59 how to three. Oh my gosh. Wow. All right. How obnoxious are the Patriots fans going to be after the game? That's the better question. They deserve every right to be. I've just come around on Brady and Gronk and Edelman. I think they're my three favorite. Uh, the trio that's my favorite in the NFL. They just like seem to be having a good time. They don't really care what anybody does. They're not sweating it, and I'm just I'm just enjoying them. 
I know it's not a traditional triplet because, you know, Gronk's not a running back. Gronk's just basically like the Swiss army knife of football. You put him wherever and he finds the football and he runs. Um, that's, that's the way Gronk is. But yeah, I think they might be the best triplet. If, if, if there's a new definition of triplet where you can interchange the tight end with a running back. I mean, they're really good. Yeah. Yeah. Edelman and Brady just seem to really like each other and I, I kind of enjoy it. Well, there you go. So, okay. All right. Monday Night Football, you and me. Yay. I will not be watching the game, Sam. I have figured out something. So the two games that I was not able to watch because the Redskins were on were the two games we won. <laughs> so I didn't see the Philadelphia play the Jets, and I didn't see Philadelphia play the the um, New Orleans Saints. So I actually will probably be doing a podcast interview. Um, hopefully, if I can get this guest to actually, you know, email me back. Come on. You know you want to come on. It's fun. Sam's been on twice. He likes it. And yeah, come on. Um, I probably will. I, I don't know if I'm going to watch or not because I don't want to tempt fates because we really need this win. And I just want to beat you guys because it's division rivals and it's New York. And that's our job. Philadelphia's job is to beat New York. And it doesn't seem to happen too often, um, at least in various other sports. So I'd like to do it here. Um, I know that you have a different opinion um, than that, but you guys just had like a really close. I mean, San Francisco had you guys on the rope. San Francisco, come on. Really? Yeah, I mean, it's if you want to hear my full thoughts, me and Sitko had a uh, battle on the Superfan podcast this week. And that week, will be on but... Sunday's. Yeah, and that will be on what Sunday's re- um, recap episode, correct? That's when they'll. Uh, I don't played. know. I, I think I think Pod Vader might uh, steal that one for Thursday's show. It was so good. Um, but <laughs> I think I I think it'll be a good match. I think both teams have their strengths and weaknesses. I think on any given day, one team win. I mean, like I don't think there's a clear advantage in any team. I think Odell Beckham is the best, and I think he will have a field day going against uh, Byron Maxwell. I think Shane Vereen is becoming a huge part of the offense, and he's incredible. So I think that the Giants pull this one out. They always have one really impressive game in them. I think this might be at the season where they just come out and dominate. Yeah, I, I am curious to see if DeMarco Murray will be himself or if he's going to be the awful DeMarco Murray before, you know, the bye week. I'm kind of hoping that we can figure that out. Um, I'm also curious to see if, um, you know, again, what we're going to do, how we're going to cover Beckham. That that's the biggest thing. I remember seeing him on um Sunday night football and they were showing his warm ups and how many people line up just to watch him warm up and how he kind of reminded me of like an ice skater. He was literally like, like catching balls and twirling in the air. I mean the kid is great, but he's got um a hamstring injury. Are you concerned about that at all? Yeah, hamstring injuries are always concerning, especially with him. He missed four games last year. But he came on at the end of the San Francisco game. I think he'll be fine. I think maybe we'll keep him on a pitch count, keep him out on early downs, on running downs. But I think we'll manufacture a way to get him into the game and have him be effective. I would like to remind you that the Eagles games, um, the, the three we have lost, at the combined total of losing has only been 15 points. So it's not a lack of being able to of scoring. It's I feel like it's play calling. I feel like it's uncomfortableness in whatever the offensive scheme is being run. So just know, I feel like maybe the confidence after that New Orleans game, because we finally look like a real team, but again, it's New Orleans. Anybody, San Francisco could beat New Orleans. 
Like New Orleans yes. is terrible. Oh. I think they're abs- I think they're the worst team this year. I really do. Um, yeah, I really, really do. Um, so I- I'm just curious to see how Philadelphia looks against a, a decent team. And that's going to tell the rest of the season. If we play well against you guys and we beat you, I have confidence that we can take the NFC East, given the fact that, um, you know, Washington, that, that was, again, oh, stupid kickers. Um, you know, and they stole that one from us. Atlanta technically stole it after that second half, and it's a dome. But then we saw their kicker miss two kicks in the dome this year. So, obviously, something's up with that dome. I don't know what. Maybe it's just lopsided. I don't know. Maybe he was sad because Tim wasn't there because he no longer has his season tickets. I don't know. But all anyway. <laughs> all the fake crowd noise. Yeah. And then, like, so they had, like, crowd noise, but then they started cheering, like, during, like, when the offense is on the field. I'm like, Atlanta, figure your, your stuff out. What in the world? Just seriously. Like, that, that fan base is weird. It's like they don't understand football. It's like, okay, if your team, all right, Galpal Nation. For my newer fans that are still learning about sports, here's a basic football rule. If your team is on offense, you don't say anything. It should be quiet. And then when your team is on defense, you need to be loud and obnoxious because you don't want the other team to hear play calling. You want to cause like delay of game. Like when that happens, that means the fans did their job very well. Yay, number 12. So I don't understand Atlanta not figuring that out. Because typically, when you've been to live games, they tell you when to get loud and when to get quiet. Like, they actually yeah. announce it. So, they yeah, can't st- follow directions in Atlanta. Yeah, stadium MCs are not shy about wanting noise. So, I don't think uh, Atlanta fans should worry that they're making noise at the wrong time. No. No, definitely not. All right. Yeah. Um, so, you think I, – I think – I have hope that Philadelphia could pull out the win – but I am still going to be cautious. I am not. I'm no longer drinking the sunshine of rainbows that the um, official super fan of the Philadelphia Eagles on your podcast. Even though I'm technically, I guess, the unofficial super fan of of that team for your podcast, um, I will not be drinking the Kool Aid. I'm just going to be like, okay, let's just see what happens. So I'm going to be cautious and and yes, and not crazy. Yes, I did yeah. just call Mark. I mean, crazy. I see. I think the Giants win. All that being said, I think I'm not scared of Sam Bradford. That's really what it comes down to. I think the last week, what he can do, I think he's having an incredible season. I think that's the difference between these teams. It's just quality of play at quarterback. Yeah, and I think people underestimate the fact that Eli Manning is a very good quarterback. And he's experienced, and he's calm, and he's rational. I mean, look at that drive he did against San Francisco. I mean, that that's experience. That's quality experience. And that's why, honestly, you know, it, it almost reminded me, and I'm going, uh-oh, did they use their Super Bowl last-minute winning against San Francisco? That was a waste. If they only have one magical last-minute run like that, boy, you guys used it too soon. Um, but that, that's what you guys do, you know? I mean, here's how I look at it. In our past Super Bowl runs, we've had to beat San Francisco. They weren't going to be in the playoffs, so we had to beat them in exciting fashion in the regular season. So we got that out of the way. So the first box is checked, and we're, we're ready to go. Okay. Well, we'll see what happens. All right. Moving on from the NFL, it is postseason baseball. I love this time of year, Sam. I don't know. I, I don't think you're into baseball as much as I am. Well, I'm only into postseason baseball. I'm one of those fans. But this is when baseball gets so good because every pitch counts, every at-bat counts. Um, so we definitely know the Blue Jays are heading further. And the Cubs 
Oh my gosh, wildcard Cubs are still in it and they face either the Mets or Dodgers. I'm really pulling for the Mets, Sam, just because my dad is is a big Mets fan and one of my favorite childhood memories was the 1986 World Series. He woke me up. I didn't know what was going on, but he's like, honey, you need to watch this. You weren't even alive when that happened, so I feel super old now. Um, so there's that. Um, but yes, and you as a New York guy, are you even what are you even pulling for the Mets? Are you even watching? What's what's going on? So if you ask my coworker, Brian, who's going to be listening to this, I am a Met hater. I just don't like their fans. I don't like them. I think the celebration and this coronation of them for making the playoffs is ridiculous. You know, it says a lot about a franchise when they cheer about making the playoffs. Um, I think they did take care of business last night. I think Grinky holds them and shuts them out. I think the Dodgers move on. But I don't think it could have broken more right for the Cubs. They get some rest. They can set up their rotation. They got some big bats. I think I think it's finally the year in Chicago. I'm kind of leaning that way for several reasons. One, their pitching is so good. I mean, it's really, really good. Um, their hitting is fantastic. They seem like together. That one guy who caused them not to win the last time, Steve Bartman, it will not be in the stadium. He's already said because um, people were trying to buy him tickets. And he's like, no, I do not want to go. I don't blame him at all for that. That's so sad what happened to him. But, you know, and also Back to the Future already claimed that this is the year they would win. So Marty McFly cannot be wrong. So um, the Blue Jays are, I think, the surprise of the year. In my personal opinion, I was not expecting them at all to get into the playoffs. Um, it just shows you how bad the AL East it is, but they're looking really good. I was watching before we got on air their celebration with the champagne. You know, baseball's great because I feel like those guys are the most fun players to watch, like with some of the stuff that they do, like the pies in the face, and the, they have better, like, you know, brawls and things like that. And then the champagne. So the everybody else with the champagne this year in the locker room, they had goggles. No, not the Blue Jays. I don't know if they were prepared. There was no goggles. And I'm like, champagne in the eye stings. Um, and I'm just going, why didn't they have goggles? I don't know. Maybe it's the mom and me, Sam. But I'm going, that just doesn't seem really responsible champagne like celebration. Because it seems like all the other teams, they not only provided goggles, but they were like sponsored by like a goggle maker or something. So I don't know yeah. if the Blue Jays didn't get those. I mean, I don't think responsible and champagne celebration really belong in the same sentence. But it would be crazy <laughs> if, if one of these guys lost like an eye or had to sit out a couple of games because they got like a cork in the eye during the celebration. I would love That's to. That's what I'm thinking. That. that would that would totally happen. That would totally happen. It's going to happen one of these days. So this just just. No. Um, uh, I'm surprised, too, that the Astros are keeping the Royals at bay. The Royals, I thought, were my absolute favorites in the American League this year. And um, they're down. They're playing now. So I'm not sure because I'm in my walk-in closet. I have no idea what's going on. So we'll find out. But um, it's going to be interesting. And for the love of my my favorite sports podcast, it's not you guys. It's actually this great show called Cooper and Rupert. And Mikey Rupert is um, from Kansas City, that, that area. And he absolutely loves the Royals. So for his sake, I'm really hoping that the Royals pull it out um, just because I adore Mikey Rupert so, so much. So, yes. 
So, but that's my baseball update. That's all I got. But I, I just love this time of year. I don't know about you, but I just, it's so much sports. It's fantastic. And it's good sports. So I feel bad for non-sports fans. Speaking of non-sports fans, um, I had many, many comments when we finally released the best of episode and many people got to hear about you being newly married and your wife and whether or not, you know, so we wanted an update and see how you're doing integrating her into sports fandom. Is it working? Well, not really. Uh, she's going to <laughs> graduate school. And well, that's important. Kind of some Sundays. Yeah, just to watch football. But I did show her the Odell Beckham catch, and she didn't understand how it happened. So that was exciting. Well, that's good. Hey, baby yeah, steps, so baby steps. Baby steps. I think you could, um, and again, I sent you the link to these. I had a great shoemaker. Um, they do the official boots for women for the NFL, and they um, they came out to the Kushek shoe girls. Um, you could totally get her a pair of the, you know, I think the Eagle boots are way cuter, but they do have Giants boots, so you could totally get her those, so at least she can walk around and be super cute in your team colors. I'm just saying, Christmas, uh, Hanukkah's coming. That's right, you don't do the Christmas. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I'm just saying, you know. It's your first Hanukkah. It's a big deal. So yes. So yeah, yes. Noted. The end. Yes, I'm just. I'm trying to help you out here. Presents for your wife. It's going to be important. You never know exactly. when you need to buy her boots. <laughs> I'm just saying, she'll be totally surprised. They're super cute, though. By the way, and they're super comfortable. The girls are so nice. They sent me a free pair um, because I had them on my podcast, which was super nice. So I have these bright green um, eagle ones that look fantastic, and they keep my feet super warm. I love them so so much. So definitely check them out. I do not get any endorsements or paying for mentioning them on the podcast. I just love their shoes. So I'm just saying. So, yes. All right. Well, you know, again, grad, grad school is important. And really, honestly, it's better for her to be busy so that you can watch more sports. I mean, let's think about exactly. it. Because if she's busy with that, you can watch more sports. So either way, you win. Um, I was delighted to hear that you and Andrew Hirsch, the Jets superfan, are actually friends in real life. That made me so happy. Yeah. He's one of my boys. Um, it's funny. We're actually – and another crazy superfan connection where I live right now is a couple of minutes away from where Sitko lived for the past four years before he moved out west. So there's a lot of superfan connections. He I believe actually, Nick yeah. – yeah, Oh, Nick lives in Brooklyn a couple of minutes away. I went to college at Brooklyn College, and Nick was actually like part of the MFA program there. So we were next to each other almost every day in the same buildings, and we never knew. So, wow, small, small, small world. My goodness. Small, small world. Well, it's kind yeah. of funny because it's like yeah. a lot of the super fans are actually from where I'm from. So Jimmy Six is actually in my hometown. We haven't connected in real life yet. I think I'm going to try to get him to see if we want to watch the Carolina and Eagles game together at a, spa, at a bar. Um, and then Brian, the Cowboy super fan, is actually from our area too. So it's fun because I can say things and they both of them know exactly what I'm talking about. Whereas the other super fans are like, what? Like if I say Dumar's ice cream, you have no idea what they're talking about. But Brian and, and Jimmy are like, yeah, let's go. They totally get it. So they invented the ice cream cone, the Dumars. If you ever come down to Virginia, you should try them out. They're delicious. Sounds good. I do love ice cream. It's really, really good. Okay. So final segment of tonight. And Sam, you've been such a great guest. Thank you so much for coming back on. So Sam and I have some interesting conversations. So we have two, two segments to go. So I discovered, I don't know how we got into the subject of other teams and other things, but I discovered not only do I really, really dislike 
his pro football choice. It's unfortunate, but we got to live with it. But, you know, I think the reason why I'm not a homer for the Philadelphia Eagles is because I'm a homer for my Wahoos in Charlottesville because I am a proud graduate of Mr. Jefferson G University. Wahoo wah all the way. Um, and we are 29 days away from college basketball tip-off. I cannot wait. And I discovered that Sam, unfortunately, it's so, so sad and it's so gross and, and just it's so disappointing that you are a fan of the University of North Carolina, Tar Heels, those, ugh, just gross. Just yeah, gross. I, I don't agree, but, you know, uh, there, I just have to go look at my Tyler Hansborough jersey one more time because it's always nice to appreciate greatness. So, uh, you know, I always have that hanging in the closet. I have plenty of – I have uh, my Who Owns the ACC shirt um, that I got last year as a celebration for us winning the 2014 um, ACC tournament. So that was enjoyable where we did beat Duke. So we do have that in common that we both dislike Duke very, very much. Oh, if you don't dislike – yeah, no. No, Duke is gross. Andrew, actually, and I know you know this, he's a Duke fan. Like, what in the world is up he's with the New York Duke guys? Fan. He claims he is. Yeah I, yeah, I understand. But come on. He's not really a Duke fan. He's not upset when they lose. He's kind of, he just wants them to win. That's not fandom. Okay. That is actually true Duke fandom though. So I'll give you a story. So when we, um, so in 2014, my husband and I, um, we went to Raleigh to watch UVA play in the first round when we were properly seated as number one um, <laughs> in the 2014 um, tournament. And we were there in Raleigh and Duke was playing um, Mercer the or Mincer. I never, Mercer. Yeah, Mercer. Mercer. Yeah, the game, like the segment games before us. And the Mercer fans were great. Like they they had this student section that like obviously a booster paid for a ton of tickets for these students. So they came in. (coughs) Raleigh is literally 20 minutes away from Durham, which is where Duke's campus is. They probably had five people in the stadium. Five people on a Friday afternoon, trust me, because there was a ton of UVA people. We drove like five hours. And actually it's further than that. It was probably eight hours or so. From Charlottesville, maybe six. I don't know. Exactly. But UVA was totally represented. Like, it was like a mini JPJ. And the Duke fans are like golf claps. I'm like, you deserve to lose the first round. And then even like the ACC tournament that year, when we went to the championship game, it was like the Duke fans, like Duke would come out. Even like Coach came and they came out. It was like golf claps. It was like a golf tournament. Anybody in orange or blue came onto the court and it was an eruption of fans. So Duke fans are, I'm sorry, I'm going to stay on the podcast. I probably will never have like someone like a Jay Billis come on because I'm, or Steph Davis. They will never come on my podcast because I'm saying this. They're the worst fan base when it comes to true fandom. Like the whole crazy thing, that is just for cameras. That is just for show. If you are true like Camden crazy, you're going to be going to every single major event possible so the fact that they continue to win national championships is beyond i just it's it baffles my mind so when i meet a duke fan i kind of question whether or not so really andrew probably is a very proper duke fan and they want to see him win but if they don't lose they're like okay whatever whereas me when we lost both times to michigan state i was in a state of mourning for weeks like i couldn't watch any more basketball after that for a good portion i felt bad for my husband i wouldn't let him watch it either so i'm a horrible wife yeah, hey, Cameron Crazies, your stadium's not that big. It's not impressive when it's that full. No, it's not. It's said. really, really not. No, it's really not. And it, I've been there. It's a it's a tiny postage stamp. Whereas JPJ and even your whatever place you guys play, that Dean Dome, whatever, um, 
you know, but JPJ is a basketball, like it was designed for basketball watching. There's not a bad seat in the house. So yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. Who had Virginia? Who at Virginia is fudging Malcolm Brogdon's papers? I feel like he's been in that school for like 13 years. He's a grad student. Oh, he's in graduate school yeah. right now. Get your life. Well, he had a medical Malcolm. red shirt. No, no. He had Uh-oh. a medical red shirt. Malcolm Brogdon, he's phenomenal. He's amazing. Like, I think people discounted him because Justin Anderson was so good last year. But Malcolm, he is the heart and soul of that team. So, I mean, we've got a really good lineup. I have really high hopes this year. I think we're preseason number four. What is up with Maryland being preseason number one? That's a bunch of garbage. Like, that's ridiculous. No. Who's that? Maryland. Yeah, I mean, they got is Melo Trimble still on that team? Because he's, he's fun to watch, but it's fine. No, he's not. But yeah, he is. He is. One. I just the bigger the bigger they are, the harder they fall. I I don't worry about them at all. And we don't play them this year, thank God. Oh, I'm so I was so happy when they left the for the Big Ten. I'm like, please be gone because your your fans are obnoxious too. I really, I honestly, yeah. So if you want to know, I am the Mark Sicko of UVA. I do not have any time for anybody else's team. And people are like, oh, you should root for the ACC. No, I do not root for the ACC. I root for Virginia. If Virginia's not involved, I don't care. The only time I, mean, I ever root, I just don't. Virginia's a great team when you want to do something else during their game. <sighs> That's not fair. Boring basketball is beautiful. That pack line defense, I love it. I love seeing the shot clock. And now they made the shot clock even shorter. I'm like, this going to be so much harder to get a, um, a shot off of Virginia. It's going to be fantastic. Plus, we have another big white kid. Jack Salt is like a seven-footer from New Zealand, and he redshirted last year, so you didn't see him, and he's going to be great. Now, if Toby could figure out that he's a big dude and put some elbows up, that would make me super happy. Um, Anthony Gill is phenomenal. So excited to have him back. Um, so it's And then London Parentes, he's my favorite because he's so calm and so just chill, and he's just like, whatever. I'm just going to dribble this basketball and be phenomenal. Phenomenal. So I just say, I think we're favorites to win again. I love them. I'm going to be a homer. I don't care. And Tony Bennett is phenomenal. Please do not ever leave from Wisconsin. That's a dreary place. Don't ever leave, Tony. Stay in Charlottesville. We love you. So, yes. And you, and he never dresses like a used car salesman, unlike somebody else's um, coach. Listen, jacket. you got the ring. When you, when, you, when you got the rings, you can dress how you like. It's all about the accessories. I hate it when you bring that up because then I have nothing else to say. So we're going to move on. Um, okay. But anyway, yes. But speaking of crazy fans, because I, I argue that college, and I don't know if you knew this or not, but in college, my undergraduate degree, I actually have a degree in social sciences from the University of Virginia. And a concentration was sociology, particularly sociology of groups and why masses of people start behaving in certain ways. And I focused mine on college athletics. And we got into discussion as we were talking over, um, you know, talking points for today's show. You brought up soccer and you sent me the coolest link of this, the Steven Gerrard. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and I didn't realize that soccer or football, as they call it in the, in these other places, um, that each of the players, a lot of them, if they're really good, have their own songs that the fans sing. I mean, that's crazy. It's not even if they're really good. If, if their name uh, lends themselves to a song. What's great about soccer is is why the fans are so crazy is soccer teams, the professional teams now, weren't always professional teams. They started as community teams. So the identity of the teams was built on the community. That's why you see so many crazy soccer fans and so many diehard fans 
because they feel as themselves as part of these teams. So, you know, that's why it's crazy how you see the different styles from England to Germany to Brazil to Italy to Spain. You see all these different styles because it's really representative of the people. And the people feel involved. So, you know, you have some crazy fans. You have incredible fans. You have these awesome chants that happen at, at every game. So, um, Arsenal fans. I'm an Arsenal fan. And we have a bunch of cool songs. We have, you know, we have a player, Kashelny, who's a defender. And whenever he makes a good stop, they sing... Uh, I want to dance with Koscielny. And then you have, you know, Jack Wilshire, our forever injured star player. He has Wilshire Wonderland to the tune of... So, you know, games are fun. Um, American fans don't like soccer, which is weird because there's no commercials. It's 45 minutes of action, 15-minute break, 45 minutes of action, which is incredible. So, I mean... I, I, I think it's one of the greatest sports. And I think the reason I've realized this recently watching hockey and soccer is that Americans like sports when they watch it at any time, they, they know what can happen in football. There's, you know, each team is now on offense and then on defense. And that happens in baseball and that happens in basketball. It's very distinct settings and hockey and soccer are more free flowing and the game is not as wide open. You can't always see what's happening. And only after things happen, do you, do you really understand what the players were going for? So it's a very nuanced game. And I just think it, it, if you can't devote the time and attention, if you just watch it and pass, you don't really understand that. And I think that's the loss of the American fan. Yeah, I think I only have time for soccer, really, for World Cup time. Actually, to be honest with you, even during the World Cup, I, I, I don't care. I mean, I want USA to do well, but I don't care. I, I'm going to admit it. I don't care. And if that makes me wrong, then I'm wrong. Um, That's fine. fine. I, I just, I just, it's, it's just I'm just admitting watch- it. I'm admitting it. <laughs> Watching a soccer game and have 45 minutes of straight action on Sunday mornings, and then you turn on a football game, and it's touchdown, extra point, kickoff, kickoff, to, I mean, a commercial, then kickoff, then another commercial, then a three and out, and another commercial. It, it just, it's killer. I don't understand how we do it and why we put up with it. See, I think that's why I like basketball so much because I feel like it flows more. Like basketball truly is my favorite sport. It really is, particularly college basketball, particularly UVA. We've gone over this. Um, but I love, I love watching basketball. And basketball is a great sport to get into sports. Like if you just want to, you know, something because I feel like it's shorter, you know, and everything's inside. So you're not like in the elements, unlike football and baseball um, or soccer because you're out in elements for all those sports. Um, so that's a great one to get get involved. And in. because there's only f- 10 players on the on the court, it's a little easier to keep up with what's going on. Um, even sometimes with like traditional, like, you know, American football games, particularly like I get I get caught, particularly if you watch like um, Georgia Tech and their triple option, I never know where the ball is, which is why I should not ever coach a football team because I would be really bad at it because I don't know where the ball is against the triple option like a lot of coaches but um yeah I, I get it I mean I, I get that why it's and that's why it's called the beautiful game and it flows and it ebbs and you know the fans are really good and the players are very pretty um so they do have that going for them it's just I think it's because one and my husband's starting to get into it more and more and it's starting to pop into our TV more and more. So I am seeing it more and my kids have played it. So there is that. And I get the appeal and the fans and all. I just am like, it's one of those things where it's on my bucket list. If I ever go to England to go to a proper Premier League match, you know, because I think you, I think everybody should experience it once. Um, but other than that, it just, it seems like, and maybe it's, it's, it just seems like a lot to invest to try to learn all that goes into it and 
I was trying to remember really how I learned to really follow football and all. And it was just by watching and listening to people. So maybe I need to do that. I just, I don't feel like I've given soccer a fair shake, but at the same time, I'm just like, how much more can I watch? So I don't know because Virginia soccer is really good. So I probably should watch them instead of going to American football games at UVA. Yeah. And if, if you want to really good book about soccer about a, a cream and it's a crazy story really well written by an american sports writer who went over there to live for a season it's called the miracle of castel de sangro i'll send you the link by joe mcginnis it's it's an incredible book i recommend it to everybody but i think that's great that you're into that i mean it's so like i feel like too like people who tell me like they don't understand americans don't like it and when it's another american telling me that part of me feels like okay you're a sports snob but i know you you're not really a sports snob you just like sports i think you just like competition so you know and hockey's another one of those two where you know you would think for americans it would lend itself really well just because it's fast moving it's a lot of action i mean yeah there's not a lot of scoring but there's you know the fights and the guys and you know but it's still, it's one of those things where I'm like, eh, you know, again, if it's Olympics, sure, let's do Miracle on Ice, USA, USA. But other than that, I'm like, no, not really. I think it's very, like, antithetical to the belief of an American fan to watch his team play a better game than the opposing team and lose. And that happens all the time in soccer and hockey because it's solo scoring one goal, switches it either way. So I can understand, like, that aspect, although... You just got it. It's it's an awesome game, so yeah, yeah. Because it's basically it's basically soccer on ice is hockey. Because a lot of the players are the same, and that's what I've heard it described as. Uh, yeah, I guess it's, it's a weird know. thing. It's, it's yeah, yeah, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> we um we just played. We just lost to Mexico, and apparently that was a big deal. And Croatia, we lost to them too, I believe. Yes. Yes, because um, my no, husband was watching that. Costa Rica. Costa Rica. Well, either. Oh, yeah, because it's the whatever it is. All right. You can tell I've been paying attention to it. But that. why are we sticking with the same coach if we keep losing all these games? I don't think it's a coach. A weird thing happens in soccer where you have these talent gap, like talent gaps and you have these like large pools of these aged players that are really good. And right now we're in the older like our our stars are kind of you know getting older, we're ushering in a new generation, and you see that these players that are playing now are not going to be on the World Cup. A lot of these World Cup rosters, so we're seeing a decline in in our performance now. I also think Jurgen Klinsmann is trying to instill a different type of soccer into the into the U.S. Not playing you know, a game of defending and trying to luckily score a goal and steal a new game. He wants to go after teams. And anytime you do a massive overhaul without, you know, the top tier talent that comes with it, it's it's going to be a learning process. I think it would be fairly stupid too, of putting him in a technical director role and not exactly coaching the team, which is an interesting thought. But, you know, I think with anything, if we want to see a massive overhaul, we have to give it time to develop. I mean, this is the same team that, that took Belgium into extra time and almost won that game. So I don't, I don't see how we can get rid of him right now. Yeah, and I think also, too, you know, again, I'm definitely not an expert on soccer, as I have proven <laughs> in this podcast, and that's okay. That's why I have you. So you can be my official soccer person. I'll just bring you on, and you can explain it. Like, yay. Thank you, Sam. Okay, that's your new no role. Problem. Yay. That's what yay, I'm here for. Yay, Sam. That's right. Um, but it's interesting to me. I mean, it's it just... I would like to remind Americans that 
The other countries have have a way bigger um, pool of talent because more kids seem to play over there. Well, I don't know. Now it's getting to be where every kid plays soccer at least once. But, you know, I just feel like there's more opportunities and they've been playing a lot longer than we have. And we've just, I feel like we've just discovered it in the last 20 years that, oh, this is a cool game and let's watch it and let's play it. So give us another 10 years and I think we'll be really, really good if we get the right kind of organization and coaching. And we have really good youth programs that are going to develop good players. It seems like too, you know, if you're a talented U.S. player, you're not playing in the U.S. for professional. You're playing obviously overseas because that's where the money is. You know, Tim Howard, isn't he over somewhere overseas yeah. as a goalie? He yeah, and that's a problem. Yeah, yeah, it's it's also the youth systems in, in Germany, all these places are, you go in when you're like five or six and you live in these youth programs and you play sport, you play every day, you get this team system, you get the game like put into your veins. So it's it's a massive, it's more than a talent overhaul, it's a cultural overhaul about how we view developing soccer. And so it's interesting to see because some of these academies are, are popping up all over the U.S. So in 10 years, I think we, I think it will be a different story for U.S. soccer. And I think we're going to need alternatives as people are still concerned. Like, I got to be honest with you. You know, my son is getting older. He could get to the age of playing flag football. And, um, you know, I know that there's safety rules now and it's better, but he's still kind of questioned going, do I really want him doing that? Even though concussion um, statistics, you know, they're just as bad, honestly, in youth soccer programs too. So it's just as a mom, I just, I'm like, just be careful. Please don't fall down. That's usually my role with the kids, with the tiny humans. Like, just don't fall down. I worked yeah. really hard to get you into this world. Please stay in it. Yes. Exactly. Moms. That's what we do. All right, Sam. If Galpon Nation wants to hear more about hashtag reset for Fournette, because he does. Like I think like we talk about it at least once a week. Um, about how awesome yeah. he is. Yeah. I mean sometimes, I, I talk about it every day. You do oh do you? Um, well that's exciting. Your wife must love that so so much. Um I um sometimes I'll throw out there just to rile Sam up um other running backs in college. Um I actually do agree with you that Fournette's probably the best running back. Period. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I do that just, just I do it just to just to throw you off. Yeah. And when next year when uh Fournette's running all over the league and some Somebody comes up with reset for Fournette. I think Gal Pal Nation and everybody knows that it started right here. That's right. It actually started um, several, several weeks ago with a fun tweet. And yeah. again, um, Sam's a great guy. So you can follow him. Um, all right. Go, give your, um, cause your hat. Your tag is weird. Your handle is odd. Yeah, sure. I know. I'm sorry. Well, just, I that's re- all right. But there's a story behind famous. it. Yes. You didn't um, I'm at. Famous. I'm at SamJunk3 on Twitter. We're at NFU Podcast as a podcast. Tune in every Sunday and Thursday to hear the latest from the 29 or so most informed fans in the country. Um, We think we're still taking applications. If you are anybody who wants to be a super fan, listen, follow. You'll get instructions on how to do that. And uh, I think that's all. I think I covered all my bases. So, Pod, if I missed anything, uh, let me know. That's right. It's next fan up. You can hear them on blogtalkradio.com forward slash next fan up. Um, all the links to Sam will be in my show notes at blogtalkradio.com forward slash sports gal pal. And Sam, as always, um, no, I do not want your team to do well. I want you to lose all your games because I'm a horrible, selfish person and I want the Eagles to do really well. If nothing else, I mean, 
if I had to pick another person in the NFC, no, no, no person in the NFC East, but but the Eagles should win, and then I'm not happy. Um, yeah, because I'm that fan, and I'm sure you feel the same way about your team. Like, really, I don't care about the other teams in the NFC East other than beating them, and we haven't done that yet. So you, you, we will finally get our first NFC East win against you guys on Monday. Yay! Yay! I don't think so, but uh, I will gladly allow you allow you to think that. Okay. Are you letting Mark think that? I don't think anybody can change the way Mark thinks. Well, there you have it. All right, Galpa Nation. And again, it's Sam for Next Fan Up. Sam, thanks so much for coming on to the podcast. Well, thank you for having me. And uh, good luck out there in Virginia basketball when you're not playing UNC. Yeah, no, we, we beat you guys in the regular season. I'm not worried about it. Wahoo wah. Thanks for listening to the Sports Gal Pal Podcast. And be sure to check out sportsgalpal.com.